it's two people are good. How are you all? It's so good to be back. Yeah? We, we had a great holiday. But it's good to be back. Americans are interesting people. They're the biggest coffee consuming people in the world per capita. But their coffee is crap. And they think it's wonderful. So the first thing I did when I got off the plane is we got a coffee at the airport because it was nearly 19 days drinking burnt coffee. And I, I said we have a burnt bucks here in Pukekohe now. Oh, sorry, Starbucks. Starbucks, that's their favorite one. And, uh, but I actually come to the realization that Americans actually don't like coffee because everything's vanilla latte, creme brulee latte, salted caramel latte, hazelnut latte. They actually don't enjoy coffee. They just like flavors. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll have to bring them here and educate them on a flat white because you can't get them there. And, but we had a good time away. I had a great time at conference and really felt like God speak to me while I was at conference. And so we're doing a series called Our Happy Place. And last week, Madison preached a fantastic message, yes, on uh, the importance of friendship. And I was going to continue that on about the importance of friendship, but we're going to continue about the importance of friendship next week, and we're going to go on from there. But, but this is also about our happy place. It's just a happy place in a different, different kind of way. And so um, we're going to get stuck into it this morning because I don't know about you, but I feel like we're living in a time where it's, it's almost like crazy town. Yeah, we're living in a, in a time and a season in our world where it's just, it's just crazy. You know, like, and it just gets crazier and crazier by the minute, doesn't it? Just some of the, can you talk to me this morning? Just some of the, just some of the insane stuff really that's, that's going on, you know, like, you know, we've had a we've had a, a global pandemic. Politics have gone mad, where they can't even describe what a woman is. Don't go quiet on me. Come on, you and I are both. I know what a woman is. I'm pretty sure 99.9% of people know what a woman is, but somehow politicians don't know what a woman is. Um, I don't know who they go home to at night. Or what they go home to. Politics has gone mad. The economy is, is not great at the moment, is it? We've got social and political unrest. There's like a million reasons in the world that we could shake our head right now and go, that is just insane. Yes? We have more orange cones on our roads than we have cars. It's just insane. The craziness, though, does this. It creates a culture of uncertainty for us. Because things are so mad that we just, it's like, whoa, what, what's the next thing around the corner like? And it creates this uncertainty for us. And that uncertainty paralyzes us and it causes us not to really do anything. We don't know whether we should buy a house, shouldn't buy a house. We should get a new job, not get a new job. Or we should send our kids, like, and can I encourage you, this is a side note, it's not on my, my notes, but parents, you really need to be looking at what curriculum they're teaching your children. I'm serious. You really need to look at it, and not just at high school level, they're teaching crap to your kids from kindergarten onwards, and you need to be very, very aware 
you know, I was talking to a, a family in the church who, who's, who's the primary school's doing, you know, sexual education with their kids. And, and they had an open night where they could come and have a look at what the curriculum was. And, you know, out of a school of like 350 students, they were the only parents that turned up to have a look. You, you need to understand they're teaching your kids some crazy, crazy stuff. And you need to be aware of it and you need to be not afraid to go and complain about it. Come on. Protect your kids. Side note, that was. And this uncertainty paralyzes us from doing anything. And we're like, it's like, do I, I don't know whether I should step out for God or not step out for God because I don't know what's coming next. And it creates this uncertainty. Yet right from the start of creation, God caused us to thrive, not to survive. In fact, the very first thing he said to Adam was, go subdue the earth and rule over it. God has always been a God that's wanted us to take ground, to advance the kingdom, to have authority over things. He's never called us to be people that kind of shrink back or hold back or try and wait and see what's around the corner and see what we can deal with. God's always expected us to be people that take ground. It's always advancing in our walk with him, advancing the kingdom in our family and our friends and the community in our own church that God would always expecting us to be taking ground and not to be shrinking back. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what the environment is, no matter how it looks, we should always be advancing. And there's a story of a, of a guy in the 17th century in England and in the 17th, 17th century in England, um, you'll have to forgive me, I'm, I'm like still jet lagged. Um, they were suffering civil war in the UK at the time, in England at the time. It had descended into civil war. There was riots on the streets. There was religious conflict and controversy. There was a split in the government between the judicial system and the actual government itself. There was all this turmoil and craziness going on inside England in the 17th century. It kind of sounds like the times that we're in right now, yes? And there was this man in the middle of this craziness, Sir Robert Shirley. And Sir Robert Shirley built a church. I've got a picture of it. He built a church. It was the only church that was built in the time of, of the Civil War. Then all of England... This was the only church that was built in the middle of a civil war. And people were like, man, you are insane. Why are you building a church? We've got this going on. We've got that going on. We've got all this crazy stuff going on. The last thing you should be doing is building a church. But he built a church and written above the door of the church. And if you go there today, you'll see it. And it says this, and this is on the next slide, it says, In the year 1653, when all things sacred were throughout the nation, were either being demolished or profaned, Sir Robert Shirley founded this church, whose singular praise is to have done the best things in the worst times. Singular praise of the church was, we did the best things in the worst times. I think Sir Robert Shirley decided, whoa, 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 we are in the worst times, and in the worst times, we need the best things, which is the church, which is the kingdom of God, which is the advancement of the gospel. In the middle of a civil war, it's not time to shrink back. 
but it's time to take ground, to establish his kingdom, to advance the kingdom. And when everybody else was retreating back and backing off, Sir Robert Shirley built the church to do the best things in the worst times. I believe that we're in a time where we need to be doing the best things in the worst times. We need to be doing the things of God. We need to be taking ground. We need to be advancing. We need to be forcibly moving forward the kingdom of God and our lives personally, in our families, in our communities, in our, around our families and friends. We need to be, in the worst of times, we need to be doing the best of things. You see, God specializes in forgiveness when we've failed miserably. He is a master of deliverance when we have allowed ourselves to be enslaved in bondage. Miracles are his stock and trade. We follow a God that specializes in doing the best of things in the worst of times. Are you with me today? Hopefully I'm going to stir you up. Sir Robert had a taking ground mindset, you know, taking ground spirit and attitude. And when everybody else was taking refuge, he was taking ground for the kingdom of God. And anybody that has done anything for God are people that have a taking ground kind of spirit. We know the story of Moses and the 12 spies, if we've been around long enough, God speaks to Moses and he says, hey, you need to go into the promised land. And Moses decides in his wisdom to send 12 spies into the promised land to spy it all out. And they go in there and the, the grapes are so big that it takes two men to carry them. And, and, and it's a, they call it a land flowing with milk and honey. Um, you know, it's a little bit like uh, Franklin is a land flowing with potatoes and onions. That's a similar kind of scenario. Um, and we know that the 12 spies go out, 12 spies come back, and 10 come back with, well, yes, it is flowing with milk and honey. It is, it is amazing, this land that God has given us. It is amazing, but there's also giants there. And, and we see ourselves like grasshoppers in their eyes. And so we, we, we can't go in because there's giants there. And then they went on to say, hey, at least we're not in the desert anymore. And at least we're not in Egypt. So where we are now is better than where we have been. Let, let's just stay here. This is okay. But yet Joshua and Caleb, if you know the story, turn around and they said, no, no, no. We need to go up and possess the land that the Lord has given us. We need to go and take it. But unfortunately, Israel listened to the 10 spies that had a break-even spirit. Are you hearing me? A break-even spirit of like, hey, I know we're not in the promised land, but at least we're not in Egypt. This, this feels good. This, this is kind of break-even point. They had a break-even spirit rather than a breakthrough spirit. Caleb and Joshua were like, no, no, we need to go and possess the land. Here's the interesting thing, and I posted this on social media yesterday, is that God gives us the land, but you still have to possess it. What a lot of us do is God goes, here, here's the promise, and we go, okay, can you just put it in my lap, please? You know, Trinity's mum used to have this little dog. Her, her name was Miwa, and she was a Japanese spitz. And um, if you were eating popcorn or anything on the couch, she would come and place herself right in front of you, wanting you to give her popcorn. And me being me, it's like, I'm not going to hand it to you. 
So I would drop it like a meter away from her and she would just, she, like it was just here and she, would, she wanted you to hand feed her. And so there'd be like five or six bits of popcorn here, five or six bits of popcorn here. And she's just like, waiting for you to hand feed her. That's what a lot of Christians are like. Here's the promises. Here's what God has given you. And you're like, oh, there it is. Can... No, no, no. He gives you the land, but you have to possess it. You have to take the ground. You have to step into it. You have to go after it. And and Joshua and Caleb were like, no, no, let's go up and possess the land that the Lord has given us. You know, when David first heard about Goliath when he was there, when everybody else was scared of Goliath, David's initial response was this, is there not a cause? In other words, is there not something for the kingdom to advance in here? Is there not a cause of Christ to pursue here? Is there not something that God wants to do here? Is there not a cause? Is there not something? Everyone else was like, oh, he's too big. You know, like he's going to defeat us. And every time he'd come out and shout out, they'll back off. But David was like, come on, there's a cause here. There's a kingdom to be advanced. There's a God that's with us. You know, before Joseph and the Bible died, he pulled all of Israel together and he said to them, hey guys, um, you're, I'm, I'm dying, but I want you to know this. I want you to know that, that God's going to take you into the promised land. God's going to take you into a land that he's promised you. And, and when you go from here, so don't stay here. When you go from here, I want you to take my bones with you. In other words, Joseph was like, man, I, I'm, I'm, he, Joseph had such a take ground spirit. He had such a like go after the things in God's spirit that even when he was dead, he wanted to make sure that his bones were taking ground. He wanted to make sure that his bones were stepping into all the things of God that God had planned. But he said, don't, don't stay here. Don't settle here. Don't get comfortable here. You need to go and possess the land that God gave you. And the Bible goes on, it says that instead of stepping into the land that God had given them, they decided to stay and they settled and they grew in number and, and, and they had lots of babies and everything was going great and fine and awesome until Exodus chapter 1 verse 8 where it says a new king whom, who, to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to impress them with forced labor. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and they worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter and harsh with harsh labor and brick and mortar and with all kind of work in the fields and all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Joseph said to them before he died, don't stay here. You need to advance. You need to take the ground that God has given you. They decided to stay. And when they decided to stay and settle, here's the thing. When we settle and we don't keep advancing in the kingdom of God, when we don't keep on growing and moving forward and taking ground, when we decide to settle, we end up in bondage. 
When you decide that I've done enough for God and this is as far as I go and I don't want to take any more risks and I don't want to step out of faith anymore and I don't want to, then friend, get ready for bondage. Because we should always be moving forward. Because I tell you what, the enemy is always moving forward. The enemy is always trying to take ground off us. And you're like, man, what has this got to do with a happy place? Here's the thing. You are never happier than when you're smack in the will of God advancing the kingdom in your life. The most miserable Christians I meet are the ones that have become stagnant and they're not growing in God and they're not taking steps of faith and they're not stepping out and they're not going after the things that God has promised them. They become stagnant. And when something becomes stagnant like water, it becomes toxic. And when Christians become stagnant, when they stop taking ground, when they stop advancing the kingdom of God in their own lives, which is the happiest place you'll ever be, when you know that God is changing you, developing you, and you're seeing the kingdom advance, when we become stagnant, we become toxic as well in our attitudes, in our opinions, in our serving. You were never, you were never created to not advance. Go, subdue, rule over the earth, have authority over every dominion. Come on, man, we, we're meant to take ground. We are meant to always be moving forward. A happy place is when you're taking ground for the kingdom. In Joshua chapter 15, there's this cool story. It starts in verse 14. It says, from Hebron, Caleb drove out the Anakites. And from there, he marched against the people living in Debar. And Caleb said, I will give my daughter, Aksha, in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kirithath Sefer, or however you say that. You, you would, I mean, one, you, you, everybody at that time wanted their own land, but you want to make sure she's good looking too, wouldn't you? Okay, maybe not. I can't even pronounce this. Is it Ophniel, son of Kenaz? This is loveless. Caleb's brother took it, so Caleb gave his daughter Aksha to him in marriage. So here's the cool thing. He goes, there's all this land here that we need to conquer. And the person that conquers it, not only am I going to give them the land, but I'm going to give them my daughter's hand in marriage. And he went, got this. I've got this. Not only do I want the land, but I want her. And so he goes and takes the land, right? So now they, they have taken land. They've taken ground. They've advanced um, themselves. They've, they've experienced the blessing of God. And then one day she came to of Neil, and, and she urged him to ask her father for a field. In other words, she's saying, hey, 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 it's really cool we've got this land, but you also need to ask dad for this. Now, he obviously didn't do anything because it says when she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? And she replied, do me a special favor. Since you have given me the land in Negev, give me also the spring waters. So Caleb gave her the upper and lower springs. I think we need a spirit like his daughter. 
where it's like, man, I, I really, I really appreciate that I got this land and I really appreciate the blessing, but I, I want more land and I want more blessing and I want the springs because the springs is going to feed into this land and make this land even better. She didn't settle and go, oh, cool, we've got land now. We own land. No, no, she goes, I want more. I want, I want to keep taking this forward. I got blessing, but I want more blessing. We've taken ground, but I want to take more ground and I want to take ground that helps this ground. I, she just never, she didn't settle back and go, oh, I'm blessed. She was always moving forward. She wasn't happy just to take that ground. She wanted to take more ground. And here's the thing. When we're going through a good time, it's a time that we still need to step out in faith. Most of us, when we're going through a difficult time, and I include myself in this, we have no problem crying out to God, praying, fighting in the spirit, taking steps of faith, because we know that we need to take ground in the season that we're in. But when everything is going well, we tend to back off. And the Bible doesn't say, have faith in bad times and not good times. Just because something is going well doesn't mean we stop taking ground. Come on. It's like, man, I, I'm so blessed. God is with me right now. There's great stuff happening in my world, but I, I'm, I'm taking the next stage. I'm taking the next bit of ground. I'm going to get the springs to help feed this. It's, it's not about sitting back and going, well, whew, that was awesome. No, we can't constantly be advancing. You're never happier than when you're advancing the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul said five times in Scripture, I was compelled to go. He didn't sit back and go, look at all I have done. No, no, he was constantly looking to take more ground and more ground and more ground and more ground. Matthew 11 verse 12 is what I really want to talk to you about today. That was just all introduction. Are you happy with that? And it says this, from the days of John the Baptist, until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. This is a scripture I've never preached on because I've always found it quite difficult to understand what it's really saying. Until now, from John the Baptist, until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. I've always struggled with this because it's like violence in the kingdom of God just doesn't seem to mix, right? It's like God is love, punch someone in the face. Um, it's, it just doesn't seem to mix. And that's because the English language is so poor. But what this literal interpretation of the scripture is saying is Jesus is saying this. He's saying that the kingdom of God has since the day of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing. It has been taking ground after ground after ground. That the kingdom of God has been forcefully, forcefully advancing and the forceful will take it. The forceful will lay hold of it. In other words, it's not talking about being violent. It's about people that are pursuing it, going after it, pushing through, being forceful. There's, there's a kingdom principle that the kingdom of God is forcefully 
advancing. And for us to experience the advancing of the kingdom, we have to forcefully take hold of it, lay hold of it. We can't sit back and wait for it to come onto our laps, but we have to go after it. This is not decaf Christianity. This is not sleepwalking spirituality. This verse doesn't allow for us to sit back and just cruise and enjoy the blessing. No, no. It's like if you want everything that the kingdom is doing, because it's forcefully advancing all the time from the day of John the Baptist until now, it's forcefully advanced. And the people that have taken hold of the kingdom are people that have forcibly gone after it with it. You can't live a pacified Christianity. It doesn't work. It's a total commitment to advancing the kingdom, to taking ground. It's all in. It's not decaf church. It's not spiritual sleepwalking. It's not going through the motions. It doesn't allow for that. It's all in. Because when we take authority over the darkness and drive it out before us, when we turn the dominion of darkness upside down and we establish the kingdom of light, it's an act of violence towards the kingdom of darkness. When we pray, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth like it is in heaven, we strike a blow, a violent blow to Satan's kingdom. Come on, we are forcefully advancing the kingdom of God. We're pushing back the kingdom of darkness and forcefully advancing and taking ground for the kingdom of God. We forcefully grab hold of all God has for us and we continually take ground, advancing the kingdom. I want to tell you, the happiest place you'll ever be in life is when you know that you are advancing the kingdom forward in your life, in your family, in our church, and in our community. We are the search party for those that are not here. We don't wait for people to come in. We go out into the highways and the byways and we compel them to come in. Come on, church. We have to have a take ground attitude. We need to be a church that is forcefully advancing because that's the kind of people that make things happen. Yes, yes, there'll be obstacles There's always obstacles. The enemy doesn't go, oh, cool, you're taking ground. Awesome, here you go. It's always going to push back. That's why I always tell people whenever they get water baptized, the week you're about to go into is probably going to be one of the hardest weeks of your life. Why? Because the enemy doesn't sit there and go, awesome, you got water baptized. Oh, you're pursuing Jesus. Awesome. No, he's going to push back. That's why we have to forcibly advance. Not against people because our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, we've got to be taking ground. You can't direct a stationary object. And I know some Christians are, I just don't know what God wants me to do. He wants you to move. I'm waiting for his direction. He's already given you direction. He's already told you what he wants you to do. Go and make disciples of all nations. You don't need any more instructions. Disciples make disciples. Disciples advance the kingdom. Disciples take ground. You don't need him to tell you what to do. Just go after everything that he has for you. When you read a promise, go, man, I'm going to make that promise part of my world. I'm going to pray it in. I'm going to forcefully go after it. I'm going to pull that thing into my life, into my family. He's, 
His voice is in every verse that you read. You can't sit and wait. You'll stagnate. And stagnation is not good. We've got to keep moving forward because you can't steer stationary objects. You can't move them. I want you to know that that God smiles when you step out in faith. Here's the thing that may shock some of you, but God doesn't respond to your need. He responds to your faith. Faith moves the hand of God, not your need. Are you hearing me? Because a lot of us pray prayers like, I need, I need, I need, I need. In Isaiah, there's this great verse where, where Israel says to God, awake, awake. In other words, you're sleeping. You need to wake up and do this for us. And God's response to them was, you awake and you wake up and you get moving and then I'll join you. We've got to be taking ground. We've got to be pushing forward. We've got to be stepping out in faith. There'll be giants to overcome. But that's where all our testimonies come from. And how do we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb and the what? The word of our testimony. People want to see the hand of God move. Well, then it requires you to be in a position which requires the hand of God to move. You're going to face giants. But we can forcibly advance. We can take ground. How do we forcibly advance and take ground? Well, we turn up to prayer meetings. And we pray. And we spend time forcefully advancing the kingdom. How else do we force it? We get into a connect group. Why? So we can get around other Christians, a like-mindedness, who we can pray for each other. Because the Bible says that when we pray for each other, we're healed and it advances the kingdom and our lives. How else do we? By serving. Why? Because God's given you gifts and talents for you use. And if you have a gift and a talent for music and singing and all that, and you're not using it, then you're in disobedience to God. Because God says, I gave you this gift and this talent to use for my purposes, not for yourself. You advance the kingdom forward in your giving. Oh, you've got to talk about money. Yes, I am going to talk about money. Why? Because he says that we need to give to his house, which is an obedience thing. It's a trust thing. You see, I heard this when I was at a conference. God doesn't care about your opinion. He cares about his word. And when your opinion is opposite to what he says, he doesn't care because his word stands true, not your opinion. His word is truth, not your opinion. I just don't think, I just don't think the God I follow would do that. He doesn't care. I know that sounds harsh, but... That's why the Bible says this, to obey is better than sacrifice. I don't have to understand. Let me me put it this way. I heard this at conference and I thought it was really cool and I I hope this will help you. This guy was talking, he was talking about how his wife has these personal preferences. That his wife has this personal preference where she loves avocado on toast. But not just any toast, it has to be sourdough. And so sourdough with smashed avocado on it with a particular olive oil poured over it and Himalayan pink salt. Not normal salt, but Himalayan pink salt. And he goes, and so that's her personal preference. And we go to a cafe 
and we pay $36 for her to have avocado on toast. Come on, you know there's people in this room that you go to cafes and you pay $20-odd for avocado on toast that you can do at home for about five bucks. But that's all good. That's what you decide to do. He goes, I personally don't get it. I don't get that when we go out, like he goes, when I go out, I'm looking for the big breakfast with the bacon, the sausage, the eggs, the hash brown, you know, like the whole works. Like if we're going out, we're going out. I'm going to get my money's worth. And she, I have avocado on toast with, uh, on sourdough. And he goes, it's her personal preference. And because he goes, because I love her, I make sure she gets what is her personal preference. And then he said this. God has personal preferences. And if we love him, then we do what his preference is, not what ours is. I think we live in a time right now in the church where there's a whole lot of Christians all over the world that are, well, I don't agree with that. Uh, friend. It's not about you. It's about what he wants. He is king. He's king. He is king. He makes the rules. It's his preference, not yours. And I don't have to understand his preferences for me to fulfill his preferences. We've got to push through and take ground. That wasn't even in my notes. I don't know why I said that, but God bless you. We've got to push through. And the Bible is filled of people that constantly take ground no matter the pushbacks. So in Matthew 15, verse 22, there's a story. A Canaanite woman from the vicinity came to him and cried out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. You know, all of us, if we were going to Jesus' church, we would have left by now, yes? So his disciples came to him and urged him, saying, not saying, hey, you need to pray for her. No, they said, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. So that's a good pastoral care team happening right there, isn't it? He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread. And I've always take what is meant for Israel and toss it to the dogs. Because they used to, that was their nickname that they had uh, for Canaanite people, Israel. They were, uh, their nickname meant little dog. All right. And then she said, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus said to her, Whoa, woman, you have great faith and your request is granted. And her daughter was healed in that moment. Here's this woman really crying out, needing help. God ignores her. The disciples tell him to get rid of her. He turns around and says, man, this ain't for you. This is only for the Israelites. You're just a little dog. And she turns around and says, oh, yes, it is for me. That's the crumbs. And then he turns around and he goes, whoa, no such great faith have I seen. Go your daughter as well. Come on, we, 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 can't, we can't stop. We can't back off. We can't let sometimes the, the nose to stop us from moving forward. 
And sometimes the no's come from God because he's wanting to see what you got on the inside of you. Whether you've got a ground-taking spirit or a backing-off type of spirit. Are you with me? There's another one in Luke chapter 18, verses 2 to 8. There was a judge in a certain city and he said, who never feared God nor cared about people, a widow of the city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I was waiting for guys to have a little bit of a giggle there. She was the nagging queen, yes? I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. It's almost like our kids are like that, eh? Can we have a McDonald's? Can we have a McDonald's? Can we have a McDonald's? No. Can we have a, can we, can we, and they just wear you down, yes? Can I? Yes? Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered to a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice? to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night, will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. How many people know that justice wasn't granted to this woman quickly? She had to wear that unjust judge down. What God is saying, hey, hey, when you have a taking ground kind of spirit, when you have a forcibly advancing the kingdom type of spirit, you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing until the request is granted. Come on, we can't back off. We can't stand down. The kingdom of God has been forcefully advancing, taking ground since the time of John the Baptist. And the forceful, you and I, will take it and lay hold of it. We've got to keep forcibly advancing. We've got to be willing to fight. We've got to be willing to be consistent and persistent. We can't afford to roll over. We have to keep going. And I'm telling you, the happiest you will ever be in your life, even if all hell is breaking loose around you, is when you know that you are advancing the kingdom of God in your life and the lives of those around you. Jacob put it best this way in Genesis 32 verse 26, where he said, I am not letting you go until you bless me. He fought with the angel all night and he was like, I am not letting go until my breakthrough comes through. Come on, we, we are got to advance, forcibly advance. And as your pastor, I have to apologize to you this morning. Because in 2018 and 2019, we were forcibly advancing the kingdom of God in this church. I was going after God. We came into 2020. We launched the vision, 10 locations in 15 years. We rebranded the church, changed its name, got back to the core roots of who we were as a church. And then two weeks later, we went into lockdown. And we were forcefully advancing. We, we had great momentum. We had incredible things happening in the life of the church. And to be honest, especially during that second round of lockdown, I just backed off. Personally, I backed off. I was just like, is what it is, nothing I can do about it. I don't know what to do, so I'll just do nothing. I just have to ride this out and see what happens at the end of it. 
And if I'm really honest, which I'm going to be this morning, is that even when we came out of it, I was still in that state of mind. I just Church just didn't really return to what I thought it would return to. And so then it was just like, oh, well, maybe this is just what it is now. And I'm all honest with you, I became stagnant, not only in my personal walk with God, but in the leading of this church. Just stopped moving forward. We had Sundays, but that was about it. But while I was away, God spoke to me. And he said to me, come on, Craig. He actually gave me a boot in the pants. Because that's what I need sometimes. I know you don't need that. God just loves on you. But for me, he's got to give me a clip behind the ears sometimes because I'm a bit stupid. I'm a bit slow to respond. And I felt like he grabbed hold of me and he said, come on, we've got to forcibly advance the kingdom in Franklin. Come on, we've got to forcibly advance the kingdom in Morrinsville. Morrinsville family, hello, because we're going to plant a, a location in Morrinsville this year. We've got to forcibly advance the kingdom in Fiji. That's what the Lakena project is all about. It's not about building buildings. It's about advancing the kingdom. It's about taking ground. It's about saying to the enemy, here's a preschool and here's a church and it's permanent and it's here and we've taken ground. When you build buildings, you're taking ground. You're declaring to the enemy that we are here permanently, we're here to stay and we're here to advance the kingdom. The enemy knows that the preschool in Lakena isn't just a preschool. It's an outreach to the 10,000 people, Muslims and Hindus living in the area that's going to advance the kingdom of God in the in the area of Lakina. It's not a building. It's an advancement. It's taking ground. It's making a stand for the kingdom of God. And I felt him say to me, it's time, Craig. It's time for you to get your roar back. It's time for you to get your shout back. And I feel like God is saying to us, revive. It's time for us to get our roar back, to get our shout back. We used to be the church in the community that was advancing all the time. We had Christmas bash, we had Servolutions, we had all these things going on where we were advancing, advancing, advancing. And it's my fault because I backed off with COVID, but I'm telling you, I'm not backing off now. We're going to advance. We've got opportunities coming up where we can do um, breakfast in the intermediate, a breakfast club. We're going to do a Servolution before the end of this year. We've got Lakena. We've got some programs that we're going to be running in term three and term four. We are forcibly going to advance the kingdom. We're not backing off anymore. We're not sitting back anymore. It's time for us to get our roar back, our shout of praise back. <coughs> That's why I love that song. Don't go, don't go shy on me. There's a lion inside those lungs. And you might be, oh man, I, I hear what you're saying, but I feel really broken. Yesterday when I was talking to Seth about what I was going to preach today, he, he told me that he saw the story on, I might have been, I don't know what channel it was on, but there was this lion that was really broken, struggling, maybe on his deathbed, and he was encircled by hyenas just waiting for him to, to cark it, I suppose, so that they could eat him. And they were prowling around him and prowling around. He's this broken lion just walking along broken. And then he stops. And in his brokenness, he lets out a roar. And with that roar, the hyenas flee. Here's the thing. 
You don't have to be whole to have a roar. God can use a broken roar to push back the enemy. God can use broken roar to advance the kingdom. God can use a broken roar to take ground. God can use our brokenness to advance the kingdom. He doesn't need you to be whole. He doesn't need you to be perfect. He just needs you to shout. A shout of praise will bring down all sorts of things around your world. The enemy, the Bible says, is like a roaring lion. But friend, Jesus is the roaring lion of Judah. He's not like one, he is one. And the roar that we have on the inside of us is the roar of the lion of Judah. And even in our brokenness, we can let out the roar because the same spirit that abides in me is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And even in our brokenness and even in our crucifixion or even in our death, we can still let out a roar of resurrection, which takes ground and advances the kingdom. And some of you, you need to get your roar back. You need to get your kingdom back in your life because you have been stagnated. You've been waiting for God to move. And I don't know everything about your life. And I'm not saying that you're toxic. I'm just saying, hey, friend, it's time to get our roar back. There are people in our world dying and going to hell. And the problem is, when we get stuck, we get internal. And we stop thinking outside of ourselves. And then when we come to church, it's about our preferences. You get too loud. I, I went to a conference in America. There's a church of 10,000 people. If you think our music is loud, you want to go there. Like, that was loud. But they had all generations there. Why? This is not a church about itself. It's a church about what's outside its walls. We need to take ground. We need to advance. I believe God wants to advance in your life today. I think God wants to get your rule back on the inside of you. I think there are some of you here now, even as I'm talking to you, you're thinking back to the days where you were stepping out in faith all the time and you were charging in God. I think back to the days where Trinity would complain to me because I was meant to meet her for a date, but I got lost in prayer in my room. And I'd turn up late to meet her for a date because I got lost in his presence. Where's, where's that Craig gone? Come on, man. We've got to take ground. We've got to take ground. Because if we don't take ground, the enemy will take ground off us. We've got to push forward. We've got to get our all back. The happiest place you will ever be is right smack in the will of God. When you're advancing the kingdom, advancing the kingdom. If I just get all the musicians and singers on the stage, or they're already here. Come on. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Come on, every single person in this place. Why don't you close your eyes just for a moment? I don't know every single person in this room, and I don't know your story. I don't know your whole story but I know this I know that if you're feeling pretty miserable when you walk with God it's because maybe the enemy has managed to stop you in your tracks and you're like man I, I want to start advancing I want to start moving forward I want to start I want to get my roar back 
I'm going to do a message tonight called Run to the Raw. I want to get my raw back. I want to get that forcible part of who I am back spiritually. I want to see the kingdom advance in my life. I want to see the kingdom advance in my kids' lives. I want to see the kingdom advance in my wife's life, in my husband's life. I want to see the kingdom advance in my business. I want to see the kingdom advance in my family and friends. I want to see the kingdom advance in this church. I want to see the kingdom advance in this community. If that's the thing that's inside you right now, and you're like, man, I, I, I want to get my raw back so we can take ground, so we can advance the kingdom, then as we sing this song, I want you to come. I want you to come out the front and I want you to step out. And when you step out, it's like I'm taking ground with every step. I'm taking ground. I'm not going to be pushed back anymore. I'm not going to settle anymore. I'm not going to back down anymore. Just keep pushing out. Come on. If that's you, friend, as we start singing this, come on. You start coming and you lift up your hands at the front. Come on. Come on. Father, I pray and seal all the work you've done in our lives today. Let not the enemy rob ground that we've already taken. Let this be an advancing forcibly work for us in every area of our lives. In Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for coming out today, guys. Really appreciate you taking the time to be here. I really want to encourage you to come out tonight, 6 p.m. Um, it's just going to be another great night. But otherwise, why don't you stick around and get to know us. If you're first time, remember to fill out the Live Connect card. You can hand that in at the cafe and get yourself a free drink. But why don't we stick around and actually get to know one, one another. Buy someone a coffee or a hot chocolate or whatever. Let's just spend some time in community um, because we need each other, yeah? You can, you can take ground quicker when others are with you than doing it on your own. So let's make sure that we're connecting with one another. Otherwise, God bless. We'll see you tonight at six. We'll see you next week. Have a great week.